0: So if it's okay with you, I actually have a special Absolutely, blessing please. to kick this off. I grab my iPad here. Um, so as I mentioned, hopefully got mentioned in the post, you saw that tonight they call the Vachnacht in the Yiddish. But basically the idea is, prior to the night before the circumcision, we want to fill this house with as much holiness as we possibly can. And it's well, an opportunity... here, we're... We're a step up already. I, know, right? I think he's already got to come. <laughs> So, the goal here is to um, to basically uh, uh, really connect God tonight. Um, one of the things they mentioned in some of the Jewish tradition is what we're going to do tomorrow with the circumcision is a huge deal. We're going to be really be um, taking a, an important step forward, and not only for our son in his life, but also for the world itself, bringing more um, holiness to the world. And when things like that happen, <laughs> Um, sometimes there's resistance from forces that are not so good, so it's like an opportunity for us tonight, four, to like Stay your ground. You're like this is this is a yeah we're going this, this is for God, and so um, the there's a little traditional prayer that we start off with just to sort of ask for God to protect um, the son, our son, and also to um, what's make, his name uh, right what's his name <laughs> bring him healing. Okay. That was sneaky uh, for those of you who do not know. We pick the name tomorrow um well, we'll announce the name hopefully we don't we'll pick, pick it, tomorrow. it tomorrow we're actually going to be rolling dice just to um, no we're not uh, and it's melchizedek look at that i see that the
1: bets are already
0: going okay so um so i'll just read this this prayer uh, in honor of our of our son whose circumcision is tomorrow and then um we can go ahead and jump in uh however you want to lead so starting off here May it be your will, Adonai, our God, the God of our forefathers, who chooses Abraham, his beloved, and his descendants, that you turn with mercy to our study, and that you draw a strand of kindness over this child, that he may be strong and healthy, so we can induct him into the covenant of the commandment of circumcision at the proper time. Grant him the merit to be circumcised properly and appropriately, and with the proper intention, and may our performance of this commandment be significant and desirable before your throne of glory, like a sacrifice on the altar and like the binding of Isaac. And let him not be endangered, God forbid, by the circumcision. And send healing and life to this child and to his mother, like the cure of Hezekiah, king of Judah, from his sickness, like Miriam the prophetess from her Zarat, like Naaman from his Zarat, like the waters of Marah, through the hands of Moses, our teacher, like the waters of Jericho, through the hands of Elisha. And just as you will enter him into the covenant, so do grant his father and mother the merit to raise him, and enter him into your Torah and your service, and sanctify your name upon him, so that all flesh will see that Adonai's name is called upon him, and they will fear him. And may you be with his mouth when he speaks, and with his hands when he acts. May his face shine, and his posture be handsome. May his awe be upon others, and may he be beloved on high and cherished below. May they see his celebrations, and celebrations of his grandchildren, who will toil in Torah and commandments. Peace unto Israel. Blessed are you Adonai. Teach me your statutes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That was pretty cool. That
1: was
0: very cool. You may notice me on occasion over the next 24 hours get a little misty-eyed. This is kind of a big deal. We,
1: we have no idea what you're Mm-mm. going through here. I figured not. Okay. So, lesson 31. Throughout the uh, past three chapters, seven, eight, and nine, Paul is consistently focused on unity and the common bond to the believers, both Jew and Gentile, in Messiah Yeshua. So, uh, throughout that time not once did he stop to separate, pun intended, uh, the dietary laws for Jews from those of non-Jews. He talks about sacrificing meat to idols and he never mentions that oh, you know, Jews can't do this but you can or anything like that. So, chapter 10. Consistent with uh, what we've been reading so far or has he gone out on a limb and now has some new topic
0: going? Well, he actually starts the chapter by, with the phrase, moreover, um, in my version, which I always liked when I was in, those of you who were back in the day, uh, precept ministries in their Bible study, they would always look at the keywords, and one of their favorite keywords was, therefore, and they'd always ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Therefore. Um, So this particular book, or passage, starts with, moreover, so it's tying back in to the end of chapter 9. Exactly. It's a connecting word. So at the end of chapter 9, um, of course, it, as you guys talked about last week, um, was about the idea of him saying, I would discipline my own body so that I don't lose... Uh, lest after teaching others I myself am led astray. So then he links it into First Corinthians 10, uh, where he's discussing the idea of idolatry and really trying to argue that, look, you guys, you know, just because... You might say to yourself, hey, I'm part of the assembly of Messiah. I, you know, I learned from Paul. Like, I mean, I'm going to be fine. And then it's like, "But the, yeah, let's go back to the wilderness, and the same people who had Moses for their teacher stumbled, and God judged them. So don't let that be you. So is he
1: consistently bringing the same theme? Nine's connected to ten for sure, but is it the same theme that he started with, which seemed to be... Some of you are saying you were, you're of Apollos, but you're of Paul and, and you're of Messiah. What's up with that, right? So he's, his focus seems to be on that we're one in the body of Messiah. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing, as you are, I guess, a consistency that, hey, we're all together in this. And they went through that. We're going through this. You've got this as an example. Am I missing something, or is, it, is there a consistency there?
0: Well, then also the tie-in that the idolatry is a division creator there. They've got some people who are very concerned, right. coming from a more orthodox tradition, and are avoiding meat completely. they got other people who are saying it's no big deal, and they're arguing about it. And Paul's point is, um, he's continuing in chapter 10, from a previous conversation in chapter 8. Exactly is basically so in chapter 8 he's coming at it from the perspective of saying idols are nothing they' really they're, they're re- not really they' really right. so therefore you need to you know there's no need to berate and critique those who are um, not as stringent but then in chapter 10 he comes around to the other side and is going at those who are more relaxed saying look you may they may not be nothing we know they're nothing quote unquote but at the same time they have a spiritual significance to them and if you participate in the worship of them even if maybe in your mind they're not real you're still engaging idolatry so don't be judging your brother who's taking it more seriously or well, worse don't cause your brother to
1: stumble right because he's he's dealing with this issue right? mm-hmm. yeah. so joshua and i are having a great time here um, <laughs> So. so, did you do your homework?
0: You didn't get a chance to do our print, our power went out this morning. Before.
1: You're kidding? I'm nice.
2: You live in
0: What York? Our transformer, a transformer pool. We can't get the printer to print
1: right now. Third time in the last two weeks that we've lost power for a significant it of time. What? Really? what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pay the uh, what? bang? Oh, the big bang. Yeah. Bang. But it's not in your house, right? No. It's like outside in you know, yeah, the, the yeah, one of those transformer deals. Uh, was yeah. right across the street they have power because they're on a different grid, mm. which is really frustrating. Really... Privileged folk. <laughs> I, would, I would just go visit with a long extension cord. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Chapter 10. I, I just I just don't see a whole lot for us to talk about there that, you know, that we haven't already. Mentioned about the, the sacrifices and so forth. Immersed um, into Moses? Well, yeah. yeah. I, I was, right at the beginning. Oh, oh I God was
3: so, uh, Nowhere let us tempt Messiah, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That was definitely one that stood out to me, because that's that's like one of the few times I would say in this... List that he gives where he almost goes in a bit of a midrash direction, right? I mean, that's not what it says straight out of the Torah it oh, Doesn't well, say the reason that servants came after them was because they tempted Messiah
1: Well, even in chapter 4, four. Right, verse, four verse 4 they drank the spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock That followed right. them and the rock was Messiah. Yeah, right and then you know, and as to your point. He's he's following up on that Yeah, that, uh, that, that is
3: very significant because I mean, Obviously, there's the big connection that Yeshua draws between himself and the serpent on the stick, you know, the bronze serpent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that, I mean, this even ties that in further, number one, but number two, it just makes that whole situation a lot more, uh, it, it makes it sound a lot more serious than, than it may have just going through and reading, you know, it, 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 there's just like a series of things that happen that lead up to the fiery serpents mm-hmm. biting people, then you see it's it's not exactly clear like what the, the thing was that made that specific plague come after them. But then I mean you read that and you're like, oh man, no wonder that was such a weird and very very serious
1: punishment. Um, uh, let me ask you just you know to to throw a whole bunch of flies in the ointment here. If you're tempting God, or you're tempting. Testing him. Let's say you're testing him. As, as my version in the uh, ESV says, uh, uh, we must not put Messiah to the test, as some of the dead were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble. If you put Messiah to the test, is he not saying they put God to the test? Is there a parallel there? Because that's really what Moses said, right? Yeah. Yeah. You tested me these, this number of times in the wilderness the, the uh, sages say that uh, is it the, uh, they tempted him ten times mm-hmm. and then they, you know, have all the examples from Masa and Meribah and this and that and, you know. well, what is the Greek
0: in chapter verse 8-9 because I'm a little confused because got in the ESV it says let's not try Messiah right. but then in the NASV it says let's not try, try the Lord which of course the Lord is an ambiguous term term's up. Yeah. but I don't know if that's
1: Christ is Christos in, uh, in verse 9. Ah, okay. To the test. So that would be Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but test is. Um, Arimos, te- test is not there. Uh, we must not. It's, it's assumed uh, probably from.
0: Is
1: test is no, not all there. Verses 1 through 9 are. Oh, test is there. Okay. Was it FK ratz
4: okay. Verses one through nine give us a sense when you read it um, of a uh, deeper uh, something going on behind the scenes that are not visible in the literal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what you're you getting at. And when we read in in midrash, this same these same occurrences, ironically, midrash may not take exactly the same take, but they say there's more to this than mm-hmm. we'll see. Right. And so in the example of, of the rock that follows them in the wilderness, yeah. in the example of the serpents, Midrash goes off on, on both of those and says, it was ba- what you saw was bad or what you saw was, was an issue, but it's worse than that. It's deeper than that. And, and that's kind of what we're going yeah, Otherwise, what true. we do is we would say, look, the God's chosen people, so they, they sinned. We knew they sinned. But, you know, immediately takes them back at the golden calf. So, like, so so, they wandered and they grumbled a little bit. I mean, come on, the golden calf was worse than that, right? Mm. And then they get up to go to the land and they go, okay, so, yeah, so ten of the spies were were pragmatic. Yeah, you know, well, how can you blame the people? I mean, come on. So you know, if you're going to go back and say, look, the golden calf was worse than all of that. So in the same – these instances here, the implication is Paul saying this was the worst stuff of all. Yeah. Hmm. golden cast not in this list hmm. Hmm. but maybe I should do the same thing that's, so the indication is that when we think we've got these verses figured out verses 1 through 9 we, we probably don't <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right
1: because there's more to it I mean I'm not trying to put words in your mouth but that's
4: kind of like you were asking right
1: yeah it's yeah. serious stuff yeah hmm.
3: Yeah. The, uh,
1: the the parallel of the rock and the rock going with them. Um, actually, it says the rock followed them. Uh, and yet the rock led them. You know, they were led in the wilderness. The golden
0: calf uh, is here in verse 8. Uh, yeah, it gets it mentioned. Uh, it's a reference, but not the idolatry uh, part. part. Well, it do not be idolatry to some of them, or as is read, the people sat down to eat and drink, and it was a play. So they reference the golden calf Im- obliquely. Actually, this whole passage, one of the things you, you, asked, you talked a lot about, you know, how Jewish is all? Right. This passage, Major. I mean, it's like you almost can't even understand it unless you kind of think like a Jewish sage. Because that verse right there, verse 7, verse seven um, which it looks to be, in English at least, but as it is written, it looks to be that it's tying that verse back to the idolatry. But if you read it, people sat down to eat and drink and it was up to play. What does that even mean? What's he even talking about? Well, you only know what it's talking about because it references the golden calf. Right. We just got done reading the beginning of Deuteronomy. The beginning of Deuteronomy... The midrash, going back to what you were talking about earlier, Dad, with Rashi, he goes off on this to talk about how Moses basically lists out every single one of their sins by listing geographic locations, and the geographic locations don't really match the map as to where they actually went. And So they're all Moses obliquely referencing their their mistakes along the way, right. because he's trying not he's trying both to critique them but also not to shame them. So this is straight out of like a Jewish mindset. This this referencing something with the with a you point to one thing by saying something related to it, but not saying what it is, which again is, I think, um, uh, it's, a, it's a form of modesty at some level too.
1: Yeah, and and a, and a romance,
0: right? They rose up to play, but then it's also brilliant because the next verse he says you must not indulge in sexual immorality. So he links idolatry with immorality, which is exactly what that verse does, because the verse is referencing the golden calf, but the rose up to play reference later on in the text. Gets linked to um, is linked to to a form of immorality at some level at least, um, and so Paul is actually like he basically sinks an entire chapter in the Torah into one verse.
1: Well, I thought two. I thought the twenty three thousand in a single day was to uh, uh, when they were with. Uh, it, was. it was to Moab, right? to Pincas. But as I'm saying though, it's
0: like he, he he's
1: well, you're right, that's true. So he's,
0: he's compressing more than a chapter.
1: Right, I mean, he's taking a whole bunch of problematic
0: issues. And but he's weaving them. Is, I guess maybe yeah. what, I should, what I should be able be saying, because um, you're right, you're right, that is a different reference. He's weaving them. So he's going from the, the golden calf, then he's linking it to the sin of Moab yeah. by tying in a verse about the golden calf that talks about immorality. This is straight, in and the, the rock thing. Because the rock, yeah. they said the rock followed them. This is not new to Judaism. Judaism says the rock, the well, was Miriam. And right. Miriam dies, the water, the water stops. stops. They, they do this. Where does the Midrash get this? They get it from the fact that Miriam dies. The next verse, the people complained about water. So it's like the Midrash is doing this throughout the whole time. And the point, and what I love to say, I love Midrash. Midrash is very cool. For those of you who can stay late, past the class tonight, we'll look at some Midrash. Midrash is one of those things um, that oftentimes can be very weird. But what's brilliant about Midrash is it doesn't have to be true. The whole point of Midrash is to teach a deeper meaning that doesn't contradict the plain meaning. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Paul's doing here. Whether or not the rock was a physical manifestation of Messiah, like, that, that's not his point. His point is to say they experienced Messiah in the wilderness, but they were still judged because they sinned.
1: That's exactly right. The,
3: the other thing I, th- I feel like is cool about like the deeper you go. On the surface level, you, one could who is new to faith, they would read through this list, and you would you would use Paul says specifically these were things that were recorded so that we could look at them and not do the same things. These were lessons for us, and it's cool because that is usually how. Torah can be read from a surface level. But it's like the more you study, the more you get deeper, the more you could potentially start looking at some of the the forefathers with with a bit of disdain, thinking like, oh, well, they, they messed up here. They messed up there. Look, the scriptures filled with them messing up. And then you have the deeper texts that say, oh, by the way, it reads that way, but and then they give them a total loophole, which is a so complete, cool. A complete buy. Exactly. It's a complete buy because it's like, it, it, it's a perfect balance within Judaism. I mean, the, the Breslav community does that really well. You know, if you're if you're feeling down on yourself, you you get reminded that God is is always going to care for you. When you're feeling really good about yourself, you're reminded that yes, you're just yeah. maggots. Oh you know, so it, it's a there's a balance there that the Midrash adds to it as well. So you're reading through it, and you know, if you're if you're new enough and you're not interpreting some of that stuff as like, oh, I'm more righteous than these guys, right? You know, then then you read something like Midrash and it, it puts you back in your place. No. That these were extremely holy men, and there were there's more to the story than than what. And the story.
4: irony is that's exactly what Paul's doing because people reading what the Israelites did. If you're in Corinth, you're going, "Well, we gave all that stuff up." I mean, we're, right. obviously we're not under that kind of judgment. He's reminding them. By the way, remember this is Israel that all passed through the Red Sea, that all received the Torah, the mountain, that have yeah. wandered, but, and he eventually took into the land. Right? They all were under the, you know. The immersion of Moses, mm-hmm. and look back
1: that. Yeah, yeah. It's a warning. Okay. The warnings and uh, starts to pick up in verse twelve, and he just brings it full circle. The temptation, with the temptation, will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it, and. It's, it's difficult to endure a temptation if you don't even have any idea that you're on thin ice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? You just, you're already under the water mm-hmm. swimming with the fishes. Mm-hmm. There it is. So flee from idolatry. He uses that similar phrase in several other letters that we'll get to some, uh, some weeks from now. Um, but fleeing
0: is a, is a big deal for him. This is an interesting argument. So Paul, in the previous... chapters earlier, chapter 8 seems to argue that idolatry is nothing because the idols are nothing. They're just rock and stone. This passage he argues for the uh, the spiritual significance of idolatry and why it's still valid and it's really fascinating because if you read chapter 8 by itself, it's very easy to think that somehow Paul is undoing all of the Torah commitments about idolatry. Like, oh, we don't have to worry about that anymore eat meat, sacrifice the idols, who cares? Chapter 10, it feels like is this the same Paul? Because he argues the exact opposite point. But his argument is so brilliant, because in chapter 8, he's agreeing, this is a rhetorical device, he's agreeing with those who are saying, it's no big deal. You're right, not technically a big deal, because they're not real. But then in chapter 10, he comes around and says, but wait a minute, when you guys participate in you know, the bread and wine, what we call communion in the manifestation of the church today. Um, they uh, he's like, don't you think that that brings you unity with Messiah? That's a that's a spiritual event, right? Well, wait a minute, if you were to do the same thing, but with an idolatrous item, food or drink, wouldn't that bring you into harmony with spiritual forces you don't want to be a part of? And he does that so brilliantly because what he ends up doing is he says, yeah, we know they're nothing. Forget the idol; they're not gods, but that doesn't mean that they're innocent,
1: nor that there's no demons, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's great stuff. So just to bring us back uh, to our focus for this particular class. Did you see a, a separation between Jew and Gentile? Did you, did you see anything that made it sound like, well, I'm talking to you as a Gentile, and your behavior needs to be this way. Now, if you're a Jew, well, that's different. Or if you're Jewish... What I'm saying should hit home. But if you're a Gentile, we're giving you a bye for the next several Shabbuses until you've heard enough of Moses. It, it, tell me. Do you, do you see a dichotomy there? Or no?
3: It was so much to both groups at the same time. I would have thought that a Jew would have been more encouraged to say, maybe I can help the ones that don't know
1: enough of oh, to beautiful. come and, and help along. With. What What is he referring to? Beautiful. I like that.
0: Good. And then also, <clears throat> I think it's hilarious that you, you were talking about earlier, follow my example in Messiah. That's in chapter 11. We'll get to that in a minute. I said earlier in your study. Um, and in this, he, what did he say? It's examples. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church assembly, excuse me, the assembly at Corinth. Right. He are almost entirely Gentile. That's right. But who are the examples? The examples are the Jews. Mm-hmm. I mean. And where would you find out about that? In the Torah. In the Torah. But I mean, so, but he uses the Jewish people's sin as examples of what not to do to the Gentiles. But the modern argument says that all the things, basically, that God told the Jews not to do don't matter anymore. But Paul's saying, you better be careful because if you do the things that they did, you could be judged. The way they were. The way they were. So
1: he really is, he's creating quite a harmony here. That is, that's beautiful. I didn't even think of that one. Uh, when I was studying that the examples he's using for Gentiles are Jews. He's not he's and not he's going coming to, directly from the Torah. Right, he's not or pulling
0: you. from other assemblies that he's met along the way. Don't you know, oh, right. remember those Galatians? The, oh man. The Ephesians. And especially yeah. the Cretans. Oh, those guys <laughs> 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 Which he does do later. He does actually yeah, reference some other Those Thessalonians, got they got me stoned. Yeah, well Cretans are just <laughs> Cretans. Lazy. So he does that, but he does not do the here,
3: right? Exactly. Because you had us kind of focus attention on that verse t- uh, thirty-two. Yes. Sir. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the Church of God or we're, assembly, we're assembly God. of God. Right. Yeah, uh, I, that that made me start wondering about how interesting it is that he actually uses the term Gentiles. Yeah, because now, he, now he's got three because different groups. Because you think groups. he would say you guys, right? If that's who, how he saw them, but he doesn't. He he singles that even even that term Those are
4: outside group mm-hmm. Exactly.
3: Yeah, and and the, I think just the fact that he uses but that as a term. Would you suggest
4: that the Jews are an
3: outside group in this list as well?
1: I don't want to give my answer because I wrote the question. Oh, was that your question? Yeah, I mean how do you understand the verse that Paul closes the chapter with? Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the assembly of God.
0: So he's got three three different groups. So... But this goes back to what... I mean, I texted you last week. I wasn't in class, unfortunately, but I think your study was aiming at... We have to look at categories and do our math. So, traditionally, when we see Jews and Greeks, that is a holistic group. There's yeah. Jews and there's, and there's Greeks. It's supposed to be everybody. Right. That right? is everybody. So, Jews
1: or Greeks or Jews or Gentiles.
0: But now we've thrown in the Assembly of God, which is actually a third category. It's kind of like if he'd said, give no offense to men, women, or the Assembly of God. And we'd be going, what? It's a
4: Venn diagram.
0: So if, if... Which we did two, right. right. ago. Right. So in other words, he's got to be... He's not just talking ethnicity here. Right. He's talking about... Um, belief systems, he's talking about cultures. So Jews, as we see throughout the book of John, which some people have incorrectly labeled as anti-Semitic, one of the most Jewish books in the apostolic scriptures, sure. but they consider it anti-Semitic, some, some do, because of the fact that it constantly references the Jews, as if somehow it's a negative thing, pejorative. But the Jews was not a reference to a, to a genetic group, it's a reference to a specifically connected uh, group or body of Israelites mm-hmm. who live around Jerusalem, who are more conservative and more strict in their observance so when he references Jews here I think he's getting at the more Orthodox religious Jews Greeks would be the general pagans around you and then the assembly of God is the group that may include people who kind of look like both and certainly some Orthodox Jews we already know that right. but it's but it's, but he's also recognizing that the assembly of God is a broader spectrum so he's saying don't offend people who are really strict don't needlessly offend the pagans either, but also make sure you protect the inside.
1: Okay.
0: That's just my take. Uh,
1: that's that's good. Other comments on that one? Those three groups? Come on, you guys in cheat seats. Let's go. Jews, Jews, Gentiles, assembly.
2: Well, there was a process to become a Jew back then. I guess to convert. Okay. We talked about them last week. Okay. Right? Um, I would say not everyone who was part of the assembly went through the process of that conversion Mm -hmm. as depicted by uh, the Pacific or the Orthodoxy standard of Jewishness. Sure. uh, Which includes circumcision and immersion and all that. Sure.
1: And in fact, we just went through that. Uh, No, we didn't just go through it. We're about to go through that. Uh, I think in the next chapter where he talks about let those of you who come who came to Messiah who were circumcised stay circumcised those of you who came who weren't don't don't seek circumcision we're going to talk about that in a minute Um, but are you thinking that the Jew the Gentile and the assembly of Messiah is Gentiles that converted Gentiles that didn't convert in the assembly
2: I'm thinking it's Jews who were born Jewish okay Gentiles who converted.
1: Uh, uh, okay, okay, could be, could be. I'm I'm thinking the easiest way to see it are those who are practicing Judaism, because Jews will cover the convert as well as the native born, mm-hmm. right? And the Gentiles who, to your point, are pagans, right? Or heathen. I guess I get corrected by Greg a couple of weeks ago. Heathens, they may not be pagans, but there's. They're certainly heathens. Uh, And then the assembly of God. But really, regardless of which group each each person falls into, what's his bottom line? Don't offend them. He just got finished saying, I will do anything possible to make myself palatable to the Jew and to the non-Jew and in order that I may win some. So why would I go about trying to offend people by what I do? That's not to say, as you pointed out, and as we went over last week, that he would deliberately violate the Torah, or even accidentally violate the Torah.
0: That's not the point. I think the phrase here that's so important, and we are talking about last week's passage as well. He talks about he says we're giving no offense. That is really critical to understanding what he's trying to get at here, because a lot of people in the, you know, church today use this passage and, and the one from the previous chapters in your the, to argue that the give no offense or be come all to win some, it somehow means that like if you're going to go like try to win over you know people in the in, in the death metal culture you should get lots of tattoos that they recognize you and they appreciate you almost like you have to be some sort of spy and infiltrate their circle and that's not what Paul is talking no. about Paul's saying no. don't don't hurt people for no reason because what he, his whole argument chapters 8 and 10 is the two prongs one a people who are more relaxed they're pointing their fingers at those who are strict saying they are so unnecessarily legalistic or whatever then the other side of the people who are strict were pointing their fingers at the people who are relaxed, saying they're committing idolatry and his argument is look where it's not clear in the scripture or even sometimes where it's you know maybe it's negotiable or whatever love one another more importantly love one another in general yeah. don't don't needlessly offend people and I think that's kind of what he's doing here he's like why would I go out of my way to? so his point even just in the previous verses I mean we were talking earlier he says Eat whatever is sold in the market. Then it says, uh, if "Someone says to you 'Oh, first before that, if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to eat, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question.'" That whole passage has clearly nothing to do with the assembly. It's talking to unbelievers. But he's saying, "Don't, don't be like." Oh, so I'm sorry. Is this is this uh, meat offered idols? I really can't. And that, obviously, his point is, if you're uncomfortable doing that, then don't. Because that's his previous comments. But in this case, it's like. Look, if you think it's nothing, it's no big deal, don't make it a big deal. That's right.
4: I think, to go, go with what Joshua said, the focus is offense. Rather than giving it, giving us three categories of people, we're being given three categories of offense. Hmm. So, and that, I think that's what it's you're saying. Right. So you know, we could broadly label Jew as people who would be offended by a certain set of things. Right. Broadly, say uh, Gentile or Greek people who are offended by a different set of things, and then people who are in the assembly who are would be offended by a yet different. Now, there's there's no overlap here in the sense of what offends.
1: Right. Yeah. They're different things. And, and there may be some overlap, but it doesn't matter. But his point is, it's point so what's not you, overlap. That's right. You bet. And and the next verse. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, why? Not so that we can all get along, but so that they may be saved. So it is clearly looking at offenses that will cause a stumble to at least hear the gospel.
0: But I want to go again and say that it's not, it's not being, I don't believe he's being um, superficial. I don't believe he's putting on a show to win people over. I believe that his point is saying here is don't put up a roadblock. That doesn't mean you have to look and act and sound just like whatever group you're trying to win over. Because quite frankly, if you do that to Jews, they'll be horribly offended. I mean, that's one of the biggest arguments against our faith is that Jews say it's a trick. You're not really keeping the Sabbath. You're not really eating, you know, kosher. Your goal is just to look like us so that you can invite us into your homes, tell us about Jesus, so, and then turn us away so, from our own commands. So
1: we'll be comfortable and we'll let our guard down and we'll listen to
0: you and you go, hmm, and then we'll forsake the Torah. What has been the most significant, I think, in terms of Jewish acceptance of b- believers who keep the Torah has been the fact that it's been going on so long by people who aren't particularly evangelistic. And they're kind of scratching their heads going, well, I guess it must be real. Why are they doing it? this amount of time without trying to change us true and we've we've seen that even in our own we have we have friends that are in
4: exactly that position they they've come to the conclusion that we're not trying to we're not trying to infiltrate
1: when they when they come to the front door and you and you make it clear we will not talk about messiah while you're here even if you bring it up we will not do it i mean it, it w- it As had a be, starting point. I right, mean, yeah. It had to be the greatest conversation we ever had because he, he just kept wanting to bring it up, and we're like, we said we weren't going to talk about that. Sorry.
0: What's funny is that one, you know, the, another guy in that pair came to your house later and you handed him a, um, a copy of the Delitch of uh, Apostolic Scriptures because you were ready to have the conversation. Not because you were necessarily, again, trying to trick him or lure him in. That's right. But you had a relationship in which you could discuss these That's things right. as friends. And he had mentioned that he had never read them. And, yeah, and you, and we, I, I sat on, I sat on the chair, he sat on the couch, and we had a nice long conversation. We both presented our, our sets of view, and after it was over, neither convinced the other, and that was okay. But we well, did, I mean, not really okay to we, us, but we, you my point. We did get to the point where he said we were a mishpacha. Right. Even after that conversation. That's
1: right. I mean, I felt good about it. I felt good about it alright we move into chapter 11 Um, and and I I tried to write this out and I just uh, I don't know Um, Paul opens the chapter by saying be imitators of me as I am of Messiah so at the end of his life he wrote or near the end of his life he wrote uh in, the, uh, in Acts 22, he, he makes the uh, statement to the uh, Roman. I'm a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the laws of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. He had asked the Roman if he could make that statement to the, uh, to the Jews at the temple. He wrote to the uh, assembly of Philippi, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So, my logic says he is unmistakably an orthodox Jew and strict with the Torah, blameless with his keeping, and he instructs me, commands me, as a non-Jew, to be an imitator of his walk, as he follows Yeshua, who also was an Orthodox Jew, and arguably blameless according to the Torah.
4: Would you maybe want to? Could you consider modifying from Orthodox to proto-Orthodox or something? Like you yeah, sure, would yeah, fine.
1: I'm, I'm no problem with that, Mike. Because Point we,
4: is, we, we would not have a group here who who uh, who had a um, had the same the same measure and, and uh, conviction of the word of a rabbi. No problem. And so not to say that the word of a rabbi is invalid, but the word of a rabbi is not not the final word. Sure. Whereas orthodoxy demands that. Sure. So, my,
1: my point is I've got an orthodox Jew telling me to right. walk the way he walks right. because he's following his rabbi who was and that, But, that's, exactly, the but that's why
4: I was asking about using something along the line with Proto because I don't think it's I don't think it's like um, I absolutely so follow my rabbi that I want you to follow me in the same way It's 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 different from that it's my rabbi keeps the scripture perfectly i keep the scripture perfectly therefore i want you to imitate me in keeping the scripture perfectly as opposed to simply i've i'm i'm following the tradition of my rabbi
1: yes i agree with which what what I, mean, I do a difference. There's yeah a difference. I, I agree there's a difference and they're definitely on the, on the yeah. floor. Yeah, no but question about I, it.
4: I, I'm not, I, I didn't assume you weren't. I, I, I assumed that you would be in the same, in the same thing. Yeah. And so, the notion of, not to denigrate orthodoxy. Right, right. But the notion that something post-Talmud demands a a, a a loyalty, a fealty to your rabbi as principle. I mean, not to over, overshadow God, but in what I do, my rabbi is the one that decides.
1: Right. Period. Yeah. And yeah, we're not there. My my point in is is to say, because that's what people accuse, you know, the followers of Jesus of doing. Oh yeah, yeah.
4: Because well, so we're yeah. Him. He, look, he went away from the Torah, so you so we're yeah, doing so the same thing. Following temple. him, right?
1: So and and, and we lose exactly. We so lose the, that so, so the, the notion
4: is that my rabbi or my leader, in the sense that I follow Messiah, he keeps the Torah, he knows the scripture perfectly. I'm doing it like him. You follow my example. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and and that's where Paul was, that's where Paul quoted, right? He says, Hebrew the Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, but as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Exactly. So he's using the Torah, right? So so the question is, me. so in, in a sense of a tradition, he says,
4: okay, I'm like a Pharisee, right, right. But, but that's even a proto-Pharisee. It's not the same thing. Or it's a,
2: proto, it's a
1: proto-Orthodox. Yeah. Pharisee's a different animal. There. No question. Okay. But he finished it with the righteousness okay. of the Torah. So I'm there with you. So the... I don't get it. I mean, unless, unless I miss something, I've got a guy who claims to walk the Torah, who's following someone who kept the Torah, you don't have a choice. telling me <laughs> I need to imitate him and keep the Torah. That's right. Now, to me, that's a slam dunk on what our halakha should be—that the Noahide laws are, are—they're they're just not even here.
2: Well, they so, come much later in
1: this. That's my—that's
0: my logic in this. Well, where, then, am I, where am I wrong? Even going beyond that, so you, you mentioned the other references here because it's important that uh, there are some in the in the the body who will go out and say, well. We a quote from Paul, a misquote from Paul elsewhere, and say, But we keep the law of Messiah. We keep the law of Christ. And so someone has a special set of standards that new applies sta- to those. New does. standards. New standards. Um, maybe maybe, maybe uh, pick and choose from the old standards a bunch of new ones, and claim they're stricter. And claim, yeah, actually, I've, I've actually heard some people say there are more commandments in the law of oh, Christ yes. than there are in and the Torah. And the law is a
4: much harder thing to do. Well, and it's and so it's, it's if it were in the
0: Deuteronomy 19, right? Yeah, sorry, Levit, yeah, exactly. It's in Leviticus and whatnot. We've already had that one. Thank you. But the point is that they um, right, Leviticus 19. So the point is that, that they're taking uh, that that idea. But but your point is to say that look, Messiah, and actually this is actually one of the ones we had argument. Uh, Debate with a woman one time about about the, keeping the Torah, and one of the things we pointed out is, didn't Messiah have to keep the Torah perfectly? Well, of course, because if he didn't, that would be sin. He hasn't died yet, so we can't count the Torah as not sin up to that point. So obviously, he had to keep the standard somehow. He kept it, so you don't have to, He's right? That also sarcastically, so, yeah, sarcastically. The point being, you know, all in quotes. The point being that if Messiah kept the Torah. And I don't think there's very many Christians who argue that well, there are some. There are more of the nicer Christians to us would argue he definitely did. Well, if he did, and we're supposed to imitate him. So what does what does what would Jesus do really mean? Right. But on but on the flip side, now you went the you went the
4: evangelical side. But you could do the same thing on the on the uh, on the messianic Judaism side. You say, okay, look, so Paul as, as you're talking about orthodox, Paul kept the Torah perfectly, so he kept it the way that we should keep it. Which I gotta get my shulchan root, because mm-hmm. that's, that's
1: the way that I'm gonna do it. But that's anachronistic. No, it right. is.
4: But that's but that's where people's logic. because they'll say, okay, that is the definition of how you keep it. We would argue that it, it it's it may be valid, but it's not what Paul's talking about. True. Paul's talking about that this this the strict. Observance of Deuteronomy six four, amen. You know, that's and exactly right. all of that is encompassed within it. And to add to, or to imply that somehow there's a there's a necessary tradition in order to meet for me to imitate Paul, who imitated mm-hmm. Messiah, that to me is the that's the anachronism that there's a necessary tradition. In a
1: not that there were no traditions, of course, not. because of course. we're going to get into that in a second. I and mean, yeah. he actually because says, "Absolutely, I've, you know, you've kept the traditions that I gave, that I laid out for you, and that's great." But he's already argued that you you can do some of it or not some of it. He's already argued that he's yeah. made the With point that tradition, tradition is not the,
4: yeah. right. the tradition is not the cutting edge.
1: Yeah. So it's the Torah. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, and here he is. I heard a grunt behind me.
3: Well, I was just saying, I was <laughs> trying to say that the second, the next verse, the reason that it's kind of I think it would be easy to maybe go down that other trail that Mr. Sproul was just going down is because the very next verse, so the context of him saying this whole thing about imitation, he says, and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. And then, you know, to like, Dad, you were bringing up just how, like, of course, Pharisee of Pharisees. And then it's like, all right, well, now what's the closest thing to, you know, you could kind that's, of but go that's down the, that. That's
4: the error where you'd say you take something and you back up 400 years or 500 years and go... That's the same thing. We can't say
1: that. That's anachronistic. That's true. But then... Does everybody know what anachronistic means? That's anachronistic? Name?
4: Anna, On opposite. All right? right. No. Out of.
1: Chronos. What's chronology? If something's chronological. chronological, what is it? What order is it? In? Is it alphabetical? Mm. Chronological would be an order okay. by time, right? Chronological. So, Ana pronouns is out of time. Backwards. Right. It's like we're talking about something. Um, we're we're talking about people in the twelve hundreds who were using trebuchets and throwing large rocks at one another as having an oozing machine gun.
4: Or going across the prairie and looking at the
1: contrails. <laughs> right. Or Galileo <laughs> using yeah, his yeah, Galileo using his iPad to look at the stars. Like, these are all anachronisms because they're anachronistic. Actually, the Galileo Which, one's a
4: good one because that's about the time span we're talking about. From the completion of the Talmud to the back to Paul's day is about the time period that's from exactly. us going back to almost to Galileo. That's right. So, yeah,
3: so, so good. The, the, the point I was kind of making there, though, was like that wouldn't be necessarily the way that you would want to interpret his, his speaking of traditions here because there good, is still a giant letter. <laughs> like, that's the thing, if it was just like, just keep the Torah, that's like one sentence, signed Paul, done. <laughs> <But> then, uh, <laughs> I mean, Love sort of, you, mean it, Paul. So, so that's why, like, I feel like it's cool that he sort of says and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to I gave you lots of good stuff, that's for remember? Right, right, and the, cause the, the traditions I think he's referencing are his clarifications of the exactly. stuff that people were confused on. Uh, so anyway, which is just neat because uh, I do think that, that he adds that extra layer in the context here of the whole imitation When I discussion. read, it,
4: I read keep the tradition, the tr- tradition of understanding that I gave you. In other words, right. it was a, it was, it was Paul's sermons, as it were.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think the word that sets the two of them off is that that first verse stands on its own as a command. You be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Period. Now, I commend you. You know, it's a good thing that you're remembering me and everything and maintain the traditions even as I deliver them to you. That's a commendation that is not a command. Well, and even the words. He's telling them. I like the fact that you're keeping those traditions.
0: And even the word he's using there is the word tradition. Right. I mean, it'd be very easy for him to use, uh, uh, like, if we're talking anachronistically, um, he could say, keep the halakha, the way of walking that I gave to you. He could have said, and keep the commandments that I gave to you. Keep the, um, oh, what's the term? I'm losing it now. There's a Jewish term for that. Yeah. The min, well, the minhag is also kind of traditions, I think, but, well, halakha, but there's a term there in the, um, oh, what's it when you have the different judges and they give a ruling?
1: Oh, a posseq? A posseq, yeah, a yeah, yeah.
0: Keep the, yeah, the posseq that I gave to you. The idea being that, like, he could very easily use a much stronger word there um, that it's would true. tie in with the rabbinic system but I don't know the Greek here, but I'm assuming that they're, they're translating it fairly accurately. And that actually is, would be more like minhawk, which is in fact a more relaxed term. It's a term to use to say, kind of act like me. My dad likes to wear Hawaiian shirts. If somebody said, I really want to look just like my dad, they would wear Hawaiian shirts. Now, if they went around and said, uh, you know, if they went around and said, well, I really respect Mr. Spurlock and his teaching of, of Messiah. If you really want to keep the Torah, you'll wear Hawaiian shirts. They would be crossing a line there on making a new commandment. But if they said, I really respect the kind of person he is, I want to make sure I look like him because there's something, he's successful, I want to be like him, they might wear Hawaiian shirts in his tradition. And that's really what I think Paul is getting at here. He's
4: smiling when he says
0: this, you know this is not true. But my point is, though, no, he's amazing. So the point is that when with Paul, when he says the word tradition, I'm, I'm interpreting that as like my dad said earlier, it's his view of the Torah. There are commandments that are hard to understand. What does it mean to keep Shabbat? What does it mean to do certain things? So Paul has a has has a has a form that he keeps. And there are multiple times in the book of Corinthians where he goes, by the way, this isn't actually in the Torah. This is my opinion. No, he does that many times. I, I don't want us to completely discount tradition
1: and say that it was not. only Paul's thoughts about how to do oh, it. Oh, right. I mean, he goes out of his way to make it clear. He was taught at the feet of Gamaliel. Oh. The Pharisee, we know... Or we can make some good assumptions about what he was teaching them as far as traditions. But if you look at everything he says, he never goes into any of those. He focuses on the Torah. And my point in this class tonight is, isn't it odd that he says to Gentiles, imitate me because I imitate Christ, period. To me that's amazing. It it throws in the toilet this idea that, well, wait a second, you're a gentile.
0: We've got a kind different of set of rules yeah, for kind you. Of imitate. So yeah, imitate don't don't imitate I mean, all not the rules. Exactly. Don't imitate too well. It depends on if you of somewhat. That's It depends on Is the... He a gentile? Is the, the
1: the church going. Uh, uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Is he a Gentile? Yes.
4: He looks, speaks English. Right, right. That's He's, he's, the blonde like a Torah he's
1: right. not a Torah keeper. Therefore, I can imitate Paul, who obviously... What was the big question about Paul when he got back to Jerusalem? You're not even keeping the Torah, and you're teaching people not to that's teach that's the Torah. Ridiculous. So what did they do? They what did James say? What did James say? Hey, you know, we got some guys that think that you are teaching that we shouldn't keep the Torah. So spend an amazing amount of money to not only finish your vow, which takes a whole bunch of animals, go read about it in Numbers, and for these four Gentiles to finish their vow as well,
0: lots of money. Parenthetical, because we all know you really do keep the Torah. Exactly. So it wasn't being fake. That's exactly right. It wasn't fake, and he wasn't just making
1: it up. So if he's keeping the Torah, and to your point, he's not keeping... God bless you. Something, God bless you. He's not keeping something bizarre. Then, to me, this is a big slam dunk. Mm -hmm. So, I know I got you the...
2: uh... I just want to clarify what you guys are trying to say. Yes.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Wait. Let me just make sure we're clear on the name of the class. The name of this class, this particular study we're doing is, What About Me? What's my holika as a Gentile in Messiah supposed to be? What about me? That's the whole focus of this class. Where we're going from Matthew one, 1 to Revelation 21.22. Where's it? 22.21. 22.21, right? Mm-hmm. To say, okay, let's, let's look at every single verse in the Apostolic Scriptures to see what, what am I supposed to do? I think
2: it's right on a basis. So... Um, with regards to that, I wanted to clarify, you guys are saying that the first verse where become imitators of me as I also am the Messiah is separatory from the second verse where he's basically commending them for also keeping the traditions he also set forth.
1: I would say it's exactly what you said if the word also is in there. Because you said, I'm commending you for also keeping the traditions. I think it would be a, a... I think it would be a problem to say verse one is only talking about traditions and therefore I'm commending you for that in the second verse rather than... No, no. I'm clarifying. It's also you uh, yeah. in there. You so bet. here's
2: what I'm trying to say with regards to Gentiles. He's obviously saying keep the Torah in verse one because Messiah kept the Torah. Yes. Also, I commend you for keeping the traditions that I have taught with regards to the Torah and Halakha. Absolutely. Um, but would you say on the second part, the latter, that that equally applies with the same authority and should be followed that he is emphasizing in that aspect? I don't think... With regards to Gentiles. I don't that's think
1: he can be. Okay. He's only speaking to Gentiles as far as we can tell. He? But he's... Well, it's that the whole church at Corinth was okay. was almost well, nearly 100% Gentile. That's, well, that's in the verse
2: point. beforehand, he distinctly said
1: three groups that he was speaking to. Like three groups that to. were not presumably not believers
0: because two of them are right. theoretically Because the assembly of god is one category so that would be the assembly in corinth right and so those are, the, them. those are the believers and then additionally there's the jews and the greeks there are jews scattered all over the, the greek world sure. so there's i'm not saying they're probably were they may, they may most likely were jews yeah, but i, I in, think we in but corinth. i think we've covered that the focus is he doesn't Gentiles. want to make any kind of an offense right Right? Yeah. Whether the Jews, yeah, I'm not trying to go back to yeah, that whether the I'm Jews just are digressing certain. from
2: there to emphasize, is it indeed Gentile believers who have converted, or um, assembly um, that he's talking to only or is it not also talking about Jews who were born Jews and also converted into Messiah yeah. and if he is talking to both groups, how does this verse reflect to one or the other, is it both relevant to both? It could
1: groups? be, but either way he's speaking okay. to the to the assembly court. The reason
2: I'm micro dissecting this is because I have in my own group believers, I mean, Jews who believe there are a set of rules that apply to Jews born um, from that of believers who have converted sure. into it. Which yeah. I have, I've in that aspect, I've been having issues with regards yeah. to trying to dialogue. And that's why we're doing this so class. When I'm emphasizing this, I'm using this as a point of reference to be able to learn from how you guys have this interpretation, so I might be able to
0: um, redirect it to sure. another area. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Well, I think sure. earlier... I'm sorry, I'll just continue.
1: Uh, just real quick. Um, our, our focus in the beginning um, was to... Identify who he's writing to, what Corinth was. Corinth is like San Francisco, filled with idolatry and so forth. Sorry. One of the only cities in the known world at that time that actually had two temples in it to pagan gods. Diana. On a, yeah. yeah. And and yeah. we've got a seaport here where you've constantly got an influx mm-hmm. of right. So it's it's a bad kind of place. And he's writing to the assembly of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Messiah. So it's definitely an assembly of what we know historically is primarily Gentiles. So as he's writing this, I think um, I think you're right on that verse one is saying, you're keeping the Torah, I keep the Torah, Messiah's keeping the Torah, we're on track. That's a command. That next verse is a commendation for the tradition. I guess the point that I was trying to make in this week's um, study guide, uh, which is at mandatory.com on the resources page, by the way, part three, um, was that I don't see a different set of rules. Yes, he brings in the traditions. I don't have a problem with that. We all have traditions, right? You wore shoes. I wore shoes. Flip flops? What's up with that? Are you wearing those weird shoes today? No. Oh, okay. Just check. <laughs> it's a different story Sock um, shoes. Yeah, sock shoes. Um, so that's that was my point in this week's lesson was how come we don't see any kind of like Gentile thing, right? The Noahide laws or something like that. We get we get an imitation of him and Messiah, and we've seen that he's major on the Torah and now we've got this combination for the traditions, which again does not say well. I'm talking about those weird traditions I gave you that were only for Gentiles. And, you know, those other traditions were not weird, that are only for Jews. Well, you're not going
0: to do that. None of that's there. Well, and then, that, then, then on point. top of that, to what you guys talked about, I think, last week, and as you were kind of referencing here, this group, he, he earlier, you I think at the end of the study you mentioned circumcision, uncircumcision. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, you know. My take on it is that if you can, he tells the uncircumcised not to get circumcised and the circumcised not to get uncircumcised. If you've ever tried to, to tape it back on, that's kind of hard. <laughs> so the point is that, um, like, his, 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 po- his argument is talking about yeah, a conversion it's great process. In light of tomorrow. Right, I know, right? Um, his point is conversion, I think, because circumcision is, is a key element of conversion. But that means then that the assembly at Corinth that he's writing to has converts to Judaism. Who, as converts, were obligated to keep the Torah in you know, again, this is an anachronistic, but a quote unquote Orthodox manner, because that's part of the conversion process. And then he's also writing to Gentiles who are believing in Messiah, that are now keeping the Torah, who never converted. So that means that his group, that he that to your point, he's lumping together to keep the same traditions, to keep the same Torah commandments, yes. not only may include Jews and Gentiles, he's a Jew, they're Gentiles. But also includes converts and non-converts, which is another separate issue. Exactly. Because modern Judaism tells, says converts are obligated, non-converts are not. So that means well, not, not just modern converts are not only not obligated, maybe discouraged, but discouraged. So and and in, and in this time frame, I mean, again, this is a little anachronistic, but the Talmud in writing about conversion, which we assume is a similar process then, is is referencing the idea of uh, that when you get when you convert you are gene- essentially genetically changed right. to be Jewish. Right. So there's no division in Paul's mind. It doesn't matter what you are. You could be a Gentile by birth, a Jew by birth, a Jew by conversion, quote-unquote. Yeah. They're all the same. Exactly right. So, are we, are we good?
2: Yeah, but he kind of supported my view, and I feel I kind of contradicted what you were saying, in that you, you were saying that the Corinth church were all dealing with converted gentiles and he clearly I would, said I that would
1: never call them converted gentiles because they, con- they are believers in messiah right right, okay. right. Believers so, in- so i i say that i converted to judaism Yeah. right but actually a- the word convert is a is a tough word to use mm-hmm. in this kind of context because that would indicate a a conversion an orthodox, orthodox conversion. conversion that there are I
2: mean you would agree there are those in that assembly who are also went that extra step and yeah, who's that so. orthodox conversion too I I believe that, that they did could be that referencing those people
1: too. absolutely but I think okay. I think that's a minority number one okay. and number two I don't think it matters because he's still using only the Torah as a standard for life and godliness and that's my point. And but I'm I don't think agreeing, so. I, I I don't think yeah. we would have even known about a even a small if if not or or large contingent of uh, converts, Gentile converts, mm-hmm. those are not believers in Messiah. Those are those who converted to Judaism, a formal conversion. I don't think we would have known them about their existence in Corinth without the uncircumcision circumcision right. comment. You know.
0: Um, but again, to your point. Paul's not distinguishing. Exactly. Which is what's missing here. I mean, the whole idolatry conversation, Paul distinguishes very clearly between those who think it's a problem and those who do not. And he continues with the weak and strong references into chapter 14. But he doesn't talk about Jew and Gentile in that way, which he should be doing if there was a different standard. Because the people who look at chapter 8 and then also sort of chapter 10 and argue that somehow for those who are Gentiles, idol I uh, I think sacrifice idols are not a problem for them, but they are a problem for Jews, are missing the fact that Paul doesn't reference either group in that conversation. Exactly right. Okay.
1: So let me see two, one, two, stand by one second? Yeah. Um I wonder if I could ask for a quick favor from the cheap Seats. In the last 12 minutes of our class, Mm -hmm. I'd like us to just really just blister this thing open with two questions at the end of the study guide that are intended to deliberately cause debate. So with regard to my health and the age of your aging father, maybe I could get the three of you to sit right over there, so I can see your faces as I try to malign you in a general way. Sometimes you got to work it, man. You know, they're young people. You got, you got, got their attention. I did that. You're <laughs> good, Joshua. Need one more chair. Got it. Good, 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 good. All right. Um, All right, we're in in Mm fighting mode here. Hey, I gotta tell you, those are the cutest knees I've seen in a while. All right. What? So, hello. Um,
0: My knees are not as cute as Johnson's. I Uh, got some cute knees. You do. We'll be the judge of that, right? Is this on video? (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right. So, many of you were quiet. Joshua, you too. Quiet. Um, I would take a
3: breath. I mean, you know, you have said
1: something. <laughs> you did. You did assign like 114
0: verses to read for this week. It so. was
1: easy. Come on. And by the way, the talking thing, I take out. I take after my son-in-law. Um, so here's here's the here's the thought. If you agree so far that Paul is not distinguishing between your history of coming to Messiah it doesn't seem to matter at all and in fact in, in the if you're circumcised don't seek uncircumcision if you're uncircumcised don't seek circumcision uh, he seems to say it doesn't matter and he's using for the, I'm sorry? for what? for halakha because I thought we said that it didn't
3: matter for salvation
1: well, it certainly doesn't matter for, for salvation, but we're assuming he's only writing to people who are saved. He's yes. not talking about the circumcision thing with regard to salvation, I don't think, at all. I think he's talking about it with regard to halakha. Okay. Right? So if you, if you came in and you got converted to Judaism before you became a believer in Messiah, then don't seek to undo what you did. That's okay. If you came in as a Gentile and you are not circumcised, it's okay. You don't need to do what these other people are telling you to do and be circumcised to be saved. You are saved. Your halakha is fine. Maybe I'm misinterpreting. Are you with me on that? or are you? I was just interested? double-checking. While he's double-checking, Jonathan.
3: Well, it doesn't
4: matter about your lineage or where you came from, but
3: right. if you wanted to be circumcised, there's not a problem with that either. That well, physically circumcised
1: is different in. from what I think the word is. Yeah, are I, I don't think this has to do with... Yeah, the physical right. circumcision. Right. Because in okay. fact, if right. he is in in, in 11. 1 commanding us to follow the Torah as he does and how the Messiah does, yeah. then if you come into this walk uncircumcised, then come Pesach, you're going to be circumcised. Because right. it's very clear, you need to be. So if your father didn't circumcise you, it's up to you. So, if our focus here is on one set of commands for believers, did you find it? Are you okay? Yeah, it was in chapter 7. I know. I'm I'm on 17 right now. Yeah, right. So, if if he's got one set of commands, and it's the Torah, then the opposing argument some would teach that Paul's admonition for, quote, I'm on 7.17 if you want to look at it, each person to lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him some people would say that this is an indication that Gentiles should continue a lifestyle without Torah obedience lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him we well, assigned you as a Gentile so you should just keep walking as a Gentile it's kind of like a Baal Teshuvah coming into the faith and learning the faith in the- well a Baal Teshuvah in I mean I'm gonna play devil's advocate yeah, now Baal is a master of the return well you can't return to the Torah if you were never with the Torah he gave the Torah to the Jews not to the nations that's what we
0: pray in the Amidah. but he gives us opportunity to be part of his family which is a bigger picture okay but going to your choir 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 but that the Lord has assigned him which actually sounds kind of like an Emerson quote but the point is that um your categories stop in verse eighteen. Your category, you're just saying at the time are already circumcised. You know at the time it was called uncircumcised, as though somehow those were the only two categories he references. But in verse 21, 20, he says each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Verse twenty one says, "Were you a bond servant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity." Then later it says, uh, and in the context of this passage, verses fourteen through sixteen. He's t- or 12 through 16, he's talking about people who are married to non-believers and the non-believer wants out of the relationship. And Paul's saying, don't, don't, it's okay, you can let them go. At the same time, he's saying you don't have to divorce them if you are already married to a non-believer. So the point is, the condition in which you find yourself has nothing to do, in my mind, with what type of rules you should be keeping. It has to do with a life status. If you happen to be married to a non-believer, you can stay there. And there's, there are commandments that you should be keeping in that, as we all should be keeping, that will hopefully bring a change in your unbelieving spouse. If your unbelieving spouse wants to leave, you can let them leave. In the case of, if you're a slave, because here's the problem. It, 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 Judaism teaches very clearly that if you, that the Egyptians enslaved Israel, if they had not been freed, we would not be given the Torah, because you can't keep the Torah in slavery. So Paul is, I think, referencing that idea, saying, look, you're a slave. Your master may not let you take Shabbat off. He might beat the tar out of you if you... That's a good catch, wasn't it? Beat the tar out of you, the new father. Beat the tar out of you if you are... Um, if you stop working on so, Saturday. So
1: let's not get too deep in the weeds. Let's stay No, on but top. my point, my though, point. is to say
0: that he's saying it's okay to stay where you're at, but the circumcision and uncircumcision thing, I believe, has to do with the formal process of conversion, not keeping the Torah. So the Messianic Jew leader... Who
1: says that this verse, that each person is to lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, does not mean that the Gentile should keep the Noahide laws because he was made a Gentile by God, and the Jew should keep the Torah because he was given the Torah? That's what he's saying. Jonathan, what do you think? That was good. You liked that? That was good. He was good. Anybody else? Also, the I feel like yeah, I
3: feel like there's just that's into that interpretation is just distracting. I think from the point that Paul is trying to make. Like if you're trying, are to you saying these,
1: that he's that the person is taking that out of context? Yes. So that would be your argument that that's not the context. Right, is like the context, context would what, what he is just similar,
3: Right, it's similar to what Joshua was saying. I mean, this is like sandwiched in between a lot of things about like the state you're in, married versus unmarried, circumstances, you know, like convert versus not. Like these states, and and whether or not that state has any bearing on like whether or not you are you belong to God. Like that, there's something extra that you need to do. The the biggest slam dunk for whether or not you should still keep the Torah despite whatever state you're in. Is when he says it, that, um, likewise, he who is called while free is Messiah's slave. Like that, that I think is a big, a big one there because it's like, well, what does that even mean? When, when Messiah is your master, and we've already talked about the whole. Well, I mean, the
1: whole, the whole. What he means, he's just finished talking about it and, and made clear. You're a slave to whomever he's in charge of you, right. whether it's sin. Right. or it's Messiah, right. whether it's idolatry.
3: And then, and then, you know, he also has that slam dunk in 19, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters.
1: <laughs> I mean... Okay, so, that, that's sort of slammy, it's sort of dunky,
0: but let's skip that for now, as if he didn't write that. The other thing you could throw in is that he has a category, wrong for the church's interpretation. If it's circumcision. Oh, I'm not talking about the church's interpretation. No, church, yeah. There are messianic leaders that are. Who, the are interpretation is to keep to keep separate. they have a problem here. Mm-hmm. They're, they are misreading the words. They're reading. Let me read it in their paraphrase. Read, read it reading. in, in their, version. their per- paraphrase. Was anyone at the time of his call already Jewish? Let him not seek to become un Jewish. Was anyone at the time of his call Gentile? Let him not seek to become Jewish. That's not what Paul says. Paul's talking about circumcision and uncircumcision, which is a term for conversion. I agree. But so, there's a problem here. When we so,
2: start reading, could you tell me where you're reading I'm sorry. verses 17 18, and 18, 18.
0: 18 19. Chapter 7. Chapter 7. 7. Okay, Sorry. You. Verses 18 and right. 18. So let
1: me, let me jump in and say, some would teach that Paul does not want Gentiles to keep the Torah. Since he admonishes those who are not circumcised to not seek circumcision. Seems like a slam dunk. And you say? Well,
0: that was that was Greg's point. For the next verse, verse 19. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Which is like, wait a minute, circumcision is a commandment of God. Again, as we noted earlier, verse 18 says, let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Well, I don't know what the Greek there is, but other English translations say, let him not seek to become uncircumcised. Now, there is like a, a method of trying to mask it somehow but the point that I'm trying to get at is it get, it's kind of hard to reverse that physical process so he's I think he's arguing don't, if you're a convert, you don't need to somehow unconvert now that you become a believer in Messiah, because there's all this stigma around conversion obviously, if we're arguing you don't have to be, so way to go, you signed up for a whole long list of rules that you don't have to keep But we already know from Scripture that when you make a vow to do something, it becomes a new commandment. So these men and women who who signed up, put their name on the dotted line and said, you know what? I will keep the standards that were given to me by this, again, this is an anachronistic, but the orthodox Judaism into which I converted. Paul's saying, that's okay. You stick to those standards. You do what you promised to do. Notice that in verse... um, 21 he does say if you can gain your freedom avail yourself of the opportunity But he does not do the same thing with the circumcision and uncircumcision thing. Yeah, in fact, he argues against it. Exact opposite it. So my point is that um, It's clear to me that he's talking about a religious state not an ethnic state, which is the problem That's, that's why I, I intentionally misread the passage in the way that people are reading it. They're inserting Jew and Gentile here. Paul has no problem using the terms Jew and Gentile. He uses them all the time, but he specifically does not use them here. Agreed.
3: For those uh, in the potentially in the Messianic world that use these verses to sort of draw that distinction, yes, uh, the, the, the common ground we have is that to come ground between uh, between somebody that would inter like misinterpret some of these verses yes. and, and the way that we're going. Yes. It's really about like what what constitutes that change because we would all agree That's that true. at a pers- at, at a certain point whenever you are a believer of some kind, whenever you have a profession of faith yes. that that comes with a whole bunch of expectations. Like, we all agree with
1: that. It's just that... When you say, we all agree with that, you're... you're, Help me understand. Because the whole question I'm trying to raise at the end of this lesson is there are people out there who are Messianic believers, or that's what they call themselves, and they don't believe
0: anything like you
1: believe because... You're a Gentile that came into this faith. And they're willing to have you here. But you are committing spiritual murder of Jews by abrogating their laws. You are killing them spiritually by taking and keeping the Torah when it was given specifically to the Jews. That's what they're teaching. So you shouldn't be keeping the Torah. And they're using those verses to say that.
3: But then they're saying, unless
1: you convert. If you convert, then you're considered to be Jewish. In fact, Judaism teaches that. You come out of the water therefore, born again, and you are a Jew indeed. Right, but therefore you start keeping everything. And so
3: my point is, we agree with a there's something that happens, therefore you keep everything. We just don't agree that it's conversion. We agree that it's hard, that's, that's but I can I, I see where you're
1: at there. You know I, mean? I, mean, I mean, we do understand that a convert to Judaism today and back then was taking on what was called the yoke of the Torah because they would be led by the Torah and only the Torah and had to keep 100% of it. Even today, they had to demonstrate that they understood the Torah.
0: But the standard is higher. That's important to note. Oh, no, no. It's only, that's convert, exactly
1: what I'm saying. It's not. It's 100% right away. But it's not just and, the. And you can't mess up. So you've got it, to it, but demonstrate. But it's even
0: beyond the level of the Torahs, I'm trying to say. I, but, it, yeah, which is all wishy washy. Anyway. Yeah,
1: and yes. I'm not even concerned about that part. The point is what did what did the Jewish council say? The, the uh, Jerusalem council say in Acts chapter 20? Uh. 15, 15, 12, 12, 10 10 10 10 was 10 was Peter. Peter 15 15, 15 okay. right 15. so we had four things but what was the what was the caveat keep coming Shabbat. why to learn what Moses has said and you and eventually you'll learn and, uh, the Torah yeah. and you'll grow in it that's See, the that, opposite of the convert to Judaism today and back then you had to know the Torah you had to agree to keep the Torah and there was an expectation there, so I, I grant you there is a line in the sand where you've you've come to some faith, whether it's in Messiah or, or the Jewish God or you know Hashem, whatever it may be, and there's now an expectation. If that's what you're saying, I agree. But that expectation is wildly different, and unfortunately, in messianic in messianism or whatever the, the folks call themselves these days, they're they're trying to Make themselves palatable, I think, mm-hmm. to the visible church today. Well, so to Gentile and to and Judaism, Judaism on both sides. Right. right? So, oh, we only allow the Jewish people to keep the sign commands, and and, <laughs> and oh, oh, you're a you're a Gentile.
0: We have a special prayer for you. To you betcha. So
1: don't 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 pray the prayer. Yeah, but the, don't pray the prayers. Pray pray these prayers, and and play this game. But Paul does not say that. The Torah does not say that. So what do you say?
3: No, I, I totally agree with that for sure. The, the, I think the hardest thing and the reason why that line of thinking helps a little bit is because without a line of thinking saying that there, there's definitely got to be some kind of conversion before you're responsible for the whole Torah, then it makes Christian friends and pretty much everybody ever in our lives like really really like you don't know what to what to do like how what are you even supposed to think right i mean this is this is a big question that we always have you can just name right off the bat one of the most righteous christians you know and it's hard to be able to say it's hard to need to say along this line of thinking you are at, you were you are sinning all the time because you not only don't know the whole torah but aren't deliberately keeping it you might be doing some things by accident, but it's definitely not close to the 613. And then even the ones that you are doing, are you even doing them the way that we should be understanding them to be done? So it's, that is just, that's really, uh, it's, it's a commendable to make an attempt to not go down that line of thinking.
1: I, I, I think we need to try and not, we, we really need to say, is there a standard Paul seems to imply that the standard is the Torah. He doesn't give another standard. To Jonathan's point, the Jerusalem Council gave us four things, presumably to allow for daily fellowship without egregious problems and an expectation that over time that same standard, the Torah, would would impact their
0: lives. I, I know you're chomping at the bit. Go ahead. But my point though... I mean, I think that, just to slightly diverge here, Acts 15 is not saying that, well, for those of you who've signed up to keep the Torah, uh, let's get you working on that. And for those of you who aren't aware of that yet, but you did hear about this whole Jesus thing, you don't really need to worry about it. But if you happen to hear about it, you probably should do it too. Acts 15 is saying, let's do this in baby steps, Let's start with the stuff that's most important, that we need, otherwise the relationship between the people is going to be completely messed up, or you're going to get into some really, really sketchy sin that's going to completely ruin your relationship with God. Um, but in believing that along the way you're going to learn the rest of it, and if you really are a follower of Messiah, you'll want to do the rest of it because you're going to hear it. So that means that for the, the Christians that we know today that aren't keeping the Torah, the only excuse that they have, and I don't, I'm not saying it's a... I'm not saying it's an excuse that they're not necessarily sinning, but the more important thing is the excuse, the grace that we can provide is that there is, I think, Acts 15 is implying there is a certain degree of grace for ignorance to some level. But the point, though, is that's uh, that's even necessary. I don't don't don't
1: think we need to even look at them. I don't think we're even asked to look at them.
0: I think they had the same standard that we do. I I don't think God's looking at it going... Well, you didn't sign up to keep the Torah, so therefore you don't have to. I agree with that.
1: But our job is not to look at them and question why they're not doing it. That's not our role. Mm -hmm. We can give them a buy, and the buy is not the fact that they, you know, the buy is James chapter 3. They have been misled by their teachers, which is why there is a higher condemnation for teachers. Mm They're not taught. Moses every week. There it is. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. And so well, it's so not we, their so problem. The, so we don't but we don't need to worry about them. The question is us. Uh, what yeah. do we follow? What did Paul say we should follow? I think your point, so go ahead. No, the
3: only reason that it does affect us is it we we just spent a good bit of time talking about the assembly of God. Yes. And so we but we have a definition of what that is. And For, that
0: puts every Christian that puts, outside
1: of that circle. That puts your assembly... No, it does not. Does. That puts your assembly on notice as to what the standard is and how we should live. Because the focus needs to be us. We don't, we don't have time to be looking outside our community at a different community. He's got another group he's with. I, that's not my job. That may be his job. My job is right here. So, how are you doing on that Torah thing? Boom. What they're doing over at such and Such a Church, this and that, Seventh Day, whatever, that's not my job. Why well, yeah. if they, Because if they, that's not my purview. God has not put me in any type of teaching capacity or in any type of authority over those people. Nor in a matter of influence. Now, if one of them were to ask me, Mm -hmm. how then should we live? Whoa! Now, there's a great question. You know what? You don't want to know what I think. You want to know what God said. That's a good place to start. Now, if you can't figure it out, let's work it together. Yeah, I mean, I'm I agree on
2: those bases completely, and I've always believed it's not my job either to go to these. Now, when I first started off. I felt like that was my whole time calling. Tell me about it. So <laughs> I went two years <laughs> into it. The club. Actually, Jonathan and I both went into it, and three years later, just... uh, we were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. this is one yeah. about it all wrong." Yeah. So, but I just wanted the reason I asked you that was because on what basis I want to, you know, on what basis do you believe in that manner? And I, and I, for the most part, accept that yeah. logic. That yeah. It, yeah. unless you're not in your position of authority or they directly ask you. Is it relevant? Or, or, but then where does or in a position of influence? Or in a position of influence? As far as evangelism, evangelism is it, we're not talking Yeshua. does evangelism also include do what Yeshua did, which includes Torah? But
0: I think that it goes back to. It's not evangelism. Our, That's exhortation. The faith that we it's live. It's a different thing. No, the so faith evangelism live, is
2: strictly
1: believing Yeshua. Well,
0: evangelism is, I mean, evangelism. Or is it
2: strictly believer. It's, but,
1: but, it's a presentation of the good news that's what evangelism is that's but, then, but what, the, the teaching the teaching
0: is separate though the teaching how to live but it is but at the same time it is hand in hand. But the point though is that if we're talking about what's my responsibility and whatever else um, if you keep the Torah you are a walking FAQ page That's exactly right. Everyone's looking yeah. at you going what's that weird hat on your head? what are those weird seats Why are you not working on a Tuesday? Why can't you eat the ham sandwich? And, and What's all, wrong with
1: We've X? all talked about how in, as soon as we started keeping this walk, the questions from other people went through the roof.
0: Oddly enough, I wore a little multicolored bracelet for years. I never got any questions. Glove, and that that, never that's actually it.
3: kind of the point that I was kind of making though because I find myself when, when I answer those questions, I find myself not saying, well, God expects this of everyone which is sort of what we're saying we're, we're believing. I usually downplay it as much as possible and be like, well, I, yeah, this is, you know, this is the this fact, past day, The fact you know, that and, you're wimpy about it
1: well, is not our problem. What <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Is, is,
3: am, I, am I alone in this? Well, okay, so like, well, I mean, because I like, you never answer the question about your zizi like, well, God expects everybody to wear this. Well, you're right. I'm not But is that the right answer? No. That's what I'm saying. We are saying yes, right? Yes. Are we saying that? We're also saying
1: that we don't need to give offense unnecessarily for the sake of the gospel, right? That we might win some. And now, to Alex's point, maybe we're winning some over to the Torah and something they haven't heard, rather than winning them over to Messiah. I can work with that. I definitely believe what my mother, of blessed memory, taught me. You get a whole lot more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. There's no reason for me to put it in their face. My wife has taught me that when somebody says, what church do you go to? They don't want an address. They want to know my doctrine. And they want it in three words. Do the best you can. They don't want to know if I'm saved. They They just want to know what the doctrine is. I don't want to write that down. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a great response. Mm, but I, I, I hear where the two of you are coming from, I think. But I mean, if I can paraphrase you, if we're saying that believers should be keeping the Torah, and that is the, the standard that Paul is presenting over and over again, and there isn't a second standard for Gentiles, then why are we being wishy-washy when we're talking to people who are claiming Messiah and yet not keeping the Torah?
0: And we don't necessarily, to your point, have to point fingers. We can reference, and this is something I need to work on, we can reference that as a commandment. Well, God said in the book of Numbers that we should wear fringes on our clothes. And
1: and just leave it at that. So they may believe at that moment, that's what Jews are supposed to do because it's on the left side of the Bible. It's further away from the maps. (laughs) But if it's closer to the maps, it has to do with me. So as we go through here maybe we'll find some spots that are slam dunks to teach believers in messiah that for example i i I think the logic i was trying to show in this study in this in the class for this study guide was if paul claimed to keep the torah and we know messiah had to keep the torah and he says to imitate him as he imitates messiah Then on this ladder, if I'm at the bottom rung and I'm looking at Paul and he's looking at Messiah and we're all on this thin ladder of Torah keeping, that can have an impact on someone without me saying, you really should consider some repentance, brother. Before the, let me step back, before the lightning strikes. I don't know that that's going to bear any fruit, but being kind and considerate and taking our time with my
3: Well, yeah, so that, that kind of, what I love about the end of the this reading that we did is, you know, because I'm thinking that in my head. I'm like, man, yeah, it, it, it almost like that, that kind of strong belief, it... it like, we don't wishy-wash the fact that Messiah died and rose again. We don't say, like, well, and there was this time that he kind of, like, poof, you know, and we think <laughs> poof! he's still alive. You know, it, we're, we're always very confident from that perspective, but I it might just be me, but... I, we I, as I, in... I, when, we're talking, yeah, yeah, when we're talking to somebody that doesn't okay. know okay, about same. Messiah, yeah. we usually are very to the point and okay. direct sure. about our belief in who Messiah was and what he accomplished.
1: Because because isn't that something that should join us? Right. Now, in our community, Torah observance joins us as well. Right. But the bottom line is Messiah. Right. Right. I don't know his Torah keeping at all. I'm just picking on him because he's new. But I know he trusts the Messiah. So there's a bond there that I can work with. And the fact that he's sitting with us speaks volumes. Right. Because right. even if he doesn't keep the Torah at all, or thinks that he shouldn't because he's been misled by false teachers, he's sitting to learn. Mm-hmm. To me...
2: Unless you have responsibility.
1: Right. <laughs> to, to me, that means he's willing right. to at least talk about it, right. and we can broach it. To, to somebody else, I... I, I mean, I just, there's, there's not that option. There's well, and, that I, option. and I
3: think Paul clarifies that. You know, I think, like, if you had gathered that up until this point, that there is the, a an expectation for everyone, I think it's great that he, in 13, that's the famous love passage, right? And I just, I, it was so cool, because as I found myself kind of going through that line of thinking and thinking like, man, I should probably maybe come across a little bit more strong when when asked those questions. Because yeah. we do, we yeah. get those all the time just living. It's, it is so helpful to kind of understand the, the flip side of that. And mm-hmm. it, it is all about that delivery. And it's about, it's really about the most important thing, right? I mean, like, at, at the end of the day, if we're trying to thump someone over the head with, you know, whether or not they cook on Shabbat, yeah. but we're not giving out charity or tzedakah to the, the poor then we're, we're, we've got our priorities out of whack too amen. So.
1: amen. and and it's, it's been a, a great learning experience for me thinking that your walk was my responsibility my responsibility is my walk and I need to I need to let that light the light of Torah shine to you and if it, it causes a shadow that you're uncomfortable with maybe we can talk about it, That's that's where I'm at right now at least that's my as Greg would say, that's my current position. Well, yeah,
3: and, and that, that's kind of what I came to as well. You know, like we, my wife and I had these conversations about Christians that we know and and potential conversations that we've had. Right. And at the end of the day, it that it's almost like the most childlike way of looking at those interactions. Instead of trying to determine their state, or instead of trying to determine do they have a place their, in the world to come, right? whether or not they're yeah. saved, all of that. <laughs> it's like basically like treat everybody with love. Amen. You're, and you're done. Yeah. You're good because. I should.
0: We will do the rest. Amen. And, and be because honest. you can't lead anybody to Messiah, exactly, only He can. Right. Exactly. And be honest and open with them. I mean, that's one thing I have to work on better. Is um, in the same way that I'm not necessarily like, walking up to all my coworkers, going, "Are you saved? I just want to make sure because if you're not, we you need to." I've got about nine verses in Romans we need to read right now. That's right, um, in, a, in a specific order. Right, exactly. it works that way. Yeah, it works that way. Um, but the point being that, like, if, if I'm not going to do that over what's arguably the mo- well, what is what is the most important part of my faith, the entrance to the to the faith, right? Yeah. Then why would I be stressing about the details of the faith in the same in that same way? Right. So, but I get but in the same way, if someone were to walk right. up to me and go, "So you seem to be kind of a religious guy, like." what do you think of the afterlife? Like, do you feel like there is one? How do you get there? If I were to go, you know, I do kind of think there is one. um, And I really don't want to offend you. But you can can think whatever you want to think. That would be a mistake on my part. That's right. In the same way, if I were to take the opportunity there and talk about my faith, then I can do the same thing. But I can do it in a way without being offensive. I don't have to say, this is what I believe. And by the way, if you don't, you're going to hell. Um, I can instead say, so God says, if you do this, you can spend eternity with him. If you don't do this, no, so you know, you take that and take it and take it or leave it, but that's what, that's what's there. In yeah. the same way, talking about Zizid, I can talk about the fact that it mentions it in numbers. And to your point, if the person listening goes, "Oh, I don't have to do that," but on the other hand, if the person goes, "Wait a minute, that's in the Bible," because that was actually one of the coolest things in doing the study um, in uh, in the Torah. I think it was Deuteronomy we were we were doing um, back in precept, way right back in the day. We had Christians walking up to my dad going wait a minute, I've never read this book of the Bible. I didn't know it said that. Now, is that one of the ones that Christ annulled? Or do I still have to keep this command? Right. Those are great Mm -hmm. questions. Those are great questions. Yeah.
1: So the whole blue being a Messiah, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And well, wait a second. Does that bracelet say WWJD? What What did he do? But we already know what he did. So we know what he would do. So you don't have to ask, what would he do? He would, he did do this. <laughs> right. Are you doing this? Anyway, all right, so we're out of time here. And, you know, Joshua's got to go to the bathroom, I can tell. No, I'm like no. it. He gonna just gonna doesn't go. want to fall asleep He's a tired guy. Did you start? Start what? Driver's head. What else? Yeah, two days in. Uh, how do you like it? It's hard tiring. Yeah, hard and tiring. Yeah, it's not worth it. Don't, just drop out. Man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bicycle, man, that's the way yeah. <laughs> the are, yeah, to get Hard Here's the, uh, not to discourage you too much. supposed to have a class on this end of town. They didn't have enough Oh, participants. No. it's good It's, it's yeah. at the, uh, across from the UNC's Charlotte. Oh, man. Ooh. So Susie's hauling him up there wow. every morning to be there for class to start at 7.30. I wish the teacher is awesome and the group of homeschoolers. Yeah,
0: except
1: so we have to come. Yeah, what are you going to leave at six six o'clock in the morning to get there into no, the
0: no. Job. No, it's, no. Good. it's good training though. At some point in your life you'll probably have to get up that early to be traffic to your job and you won't get to leave at two, you gotta yeah. leave at five. That's exactly
1: right. It, if you get <laughs>